You are listening to sermon audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net. Happy Mother's Day. And you're probably wondering, what's he doing up there? Um, I just got to say it's an honor for me to be able to share from God's Word this week as well. And as it is Mother's Day, I'd like to start out with um, a picture of my parents and my family. Uh, this is my mother standing to my left and uh, surrounded by my kids and my dad. And as I think about uh, Mother's Day stories, uh, perhaps one that really stands out to me uh, about my mother is the day they drove me from uh, Chicago, I mean from North Dakota to Iowa to drop me off <laughs> at a Bible college. And um, I remember the day, I just remember what it was like. I took a little car, we drove separately, but every now and then we'd switch and we'd finally get there. And uh, mom gets out and we start talking and uh, it dawns on me, this is it. This is, I'm on my own now. And she gives me a hug and starts crying. And dad comes and hugs her. He hugs me and kind of stuffs his emotions in, goes back to the car. And, you know, um, and then all my brothers are saying, bye, bye, Gabe, you know. And they take off. And it was just hard to see her cry. It was hard to see that 18 years of investment. um, And now suddenly... I'm not part of the house anymore. I'm somewhere else. And uh, over the next few months and years, I started uh, struggling with questions that maybe I had when I was growing up and I had in my home, but I could always go to them and talk to. Um, But now, I was on my own. And yes, I was in a Bible college, but I had some real questions, and I wasn't sure about the motives of everybody teaching. And um, I started asking questions like, is there really a God? I mean, my parents are honest people, but what if they're just honestly wrong? <laughs> or, you know, what if there isn't a God? What if, what if the Muslims have it right? Or the Hindus, or the Buddhists? I started asking these questions, and um, I really thought that if this held any water, if there was any truth to what I grew up believing and seeing, that God had to show it. You know, I had to see it for myself. And I had seen it, but now I'm on my own. Now it's about my life. (laughs) And so I went over the next few years, um, and I found... My answers. I found answers. But as we look at this story today, uh, last week, if you recall, Rebecca, a mother um, who loves her kids, now sees them in conflict because the son she loves has um, deceived the, the dad, and he has the blessing, and the older brother is angry and is planning to kill him. So she says, flee at once to my brother Laban. She calls Jacob aside, flee at once. And uh, then eventually I'll send word for you to come back from there. Maybe she thought it would take a few months, you know, Isaac would die and I'd 
she, they weren't sure. And uh, that turned out to be 20 years. And uh, I don't know if she saw him again. So that's the story. But could you imagine being Jacob? He had been at home, pretty protected because he was a homebody. He didn't even like to go out to hunt. He was stayed among the tents. So he was always there. And now he's going to be on his own. So as we read the story, could you imagine the questions that he has? Could you imagine the questions about God? You know, I've heard about Abraham, my grandpa. heard about uh, Isaac, uh, his dad, and about mom, and heard stories. But what about me? What does God have to do with me? And perhaps to ask ourselves that same question. What about me? What about God and me? Um, as it is Mother's Day, if we consider these two brothers, we consider Esau and uh, his choices in life, the fact that he chose not one, but two Canaanite wives. When Isaac very clearly wouldn't do that because it wasn't what God wanted for him. And his very mother was from another land, from uh, relatives in another country, another area. And she herself comes, and so in the way he made choices wasn't honoring. Didn't honoring his, it wasn't honoring his mom, it wasn't honoring his dad, it wasn't honoring God. He didn't line things up with, with the heart of their lives. And here's Jacob. He hasn't quite made those choices yet, but um, what's he going to do? So here we go. We are in Genesis chapter 28. And the first thing, the way it begins, it says, So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. It's interesting. Isaac affirms the blessing to Jacob. If you recall last time, he deceived his dad. And after he deceived his dad and his dad found out, his dad's response was he trembled violently. I just got shook up. What just happened? I meant for the blessing to go on Esau and Jacob has it. So he, I'd imagine he's pretty angry. But here he speaks to Isaac, or he calls Isaac, and he affirms this blessing. So you can imagine what that would mean relationally for dad and son. But he affirms and he says, then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase in numbers. But So he basically says, go take a wife for yourself from your mother's relatives. That's where she came from. Go find, find a wife over there. So um, he, he says, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Why not? Why not marry a Canaanite woman? Well, when God brought Abraham to this land, he said, you will inherit this land. Not the people who are there, but you. If he chooses to marry into those people, now who's inheriting the land? Him and them, right? And why would God not want to, uh, them to inherit this land? Well, if you think about it, Sodom and Gomorrah were part of this land. And... Um, they were so wicked 
that God was patient with them, waited, waited, was so patient, but it came to the point where their sinfulness was just overwhelming. It was too much. And God said, that's enough. And he wiped them out. And God is talking about, in, God, in, in talking about the rest of Canaan, the Canaanites, God says this when he speaks to, in chapter 15, if we go back, he's talking to Abraham, he's saying, I'm going to give you this land, and here's what's going to happen in the future. And he says, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here. Your descendants will be taken away, but then they will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. So they're wicked, but their wickedness hasn't gone to the brim and capped over. It's, it's, it's getting there, but it will take a few years to get there. So they're very wicked people, and God's saying, I don't want the inheritance to be mixed with this people, because eventually this people is going to be, the plan is to destroy them. Uh, so, so this is the plan. And so he says, go to your mother's relatives. And then Abraham blesses. He blesses Jacob. And he says, may God Almighty bless you. Who's the source of this blessing? Jacob's having, maybe he has questions, right? But here comes the stories from Abraham, the stories from Isaac. And now he's saying, may God Almighty bless you. He's the source. And make you fruitful, increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. Up until now, it, the inheritance is hanging on a string. You've got Abraham has Isaac, you know, and all the rest of his kids weren't part of the inheritance, so they're sent away. Isaac only has one, or, well, he had two, but part of the inheritance, it's not going to be lining up with Esau, so it's hanging on Jacob and Jacob doesn't have any kids yet. Now he's about to be sent away from the land where the inheritance is supposed to happen. And so he says, may he make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham. This is a blessing that's being passed down. So that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way, and he went to Padan Aram to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. So here's Jacob. He's getting ready to go. Now, Esau, he learned, <laughs> he learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob again and had sent him to Padan Aram to take a wife from there. And then when he blessed him, that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Padan Aram. So here is Esau. He figures out that his dad had blessed Jacob. And he hears, don't marry a Canaanite woman. Wait a second. He's done that not once. He's done that twice. And look at this next verse. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father, Isaac. Huh. Then? Not after the first one. He's got two. He finally realizes it. What's going on, Esau? He is a man who tends to do things before seeking input. He's a man who does before he really thinks it through. 
And I, I just can't imagine this guy. I mean, I'm guessing he had some kind of a hint that this was displeasing to his parents, uh, that, that it was not the right thing to do. But what, you know, did he not ask Dad, so why did mom have to come all the way from, I mean, why couldn't you have just married a Canaanite woman? Why did you have to do this? Did he not have that conversation? Did he not ask, you know, what's this blessing all about? Tell me about, tell me about grandpa. Tell me about the blessing. Tell me about his failures. Because if he had just heard the stories and figured it out, here's Esau, he goes to solve the problem. He finally realizes, one version says that the Canaanite wives were an abomination. And so uh, he finally figures out that this is not the, wasn't the best choice, that this is completely displeasing. And he says, so he went to Ishmael, his uncle, right? And married Mahalath, the sister of Nebaioth and daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. Of course, let's go make things better. Let's marry another lady. Yeah, that always solves problems. Ah, could you imagine if he had just heard the story? Do you even know who the Ishmaelites are, Esau? They're descendants from the other wife. And they had to be sent away. They're not part of this blessing. And so he does things and then thinks about them. Uh, So here we go back to the story of of Jacob. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. He's on his own. I can imagine the questions. It's that stage of life. You're, You're not with mom and dad anymore. And maybe he's wondering, is God with me? Is even real. Look what the blessing has got me so far. And Jacob left for Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, ah, he goes, it says Haran. Haran is about 430 miles north. So he's down here in the south, uh, down by the Dead Sea and Jordan River, and he's going to go through this little town called Bethel. Okay? Uh, actually, at the time it's called Luz. He's going to rename it. But he's going to go all the way to Haran, and he's, he's on his way. So when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. How many of you have done that before? <laughs> Jacob must be really tired. I mean, to confuse a pillow for a, st- a stone for a pillow. Okay, I don't know what he's thinking. But he, he takes a pillow and lays it under his head to sleep. And he goes, uh, he had a dream that night in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Back then, many cultures, the uh, Mesopotamian culture, uh, there were people who built these ziggurats and they were temples to the gods and they would have stairways that they would ascend up to, you know, Kind of like battle. Let's go try to be with God. Did he have a dream of a ziggurat? Might have looked like that. I don't know. But what's interesting about this is that it's not just the temple. He sees angels of God ascending and descending on it. They're messengers. This is a place where heaven meets earth. And it's in a location. And so uh, there above it stood the Lord. It's not just the temple. 
He sees the Lord. And the Lord speaks. God speaks to Jacob. God speaks in a dream. And over history, we're going to find that already God had spoken to Abimelech in a dream. He speaks to different kings like Pharaoh's and Nebuchadnezzar and Joseph. You know, he will speak through dreams. This is his God. But here's Jacob, and it's an interaction with the God he's probably even wondering about. He speaks to Jacob and he says, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So he goes through this list of blessings that are for him. It's land, it's people. It'll be protection. But this phrase, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. That goes all the way back to Genesis. When God speaks to Eve, and this seed would come, and it would, it would dethrone, or it would take away uh, the, the serpent's weapon. It would strike the serpent on the head. It's her offspring. And so this is being passed down through Abraham, Isaac. Now Jacob has it. And years down the road, this son would be born, and his name is Jesus. And he's born, and he's the Redeemer. He would come and Satan would strike him on the heel, would hang him on the cross. And on that cross, Jesus would nail our brokenness, our sin. And so if we trust this Jesus, this blessing isn't just for his uh, physical, his, his descendants, his physical descendants, but it's for all people. And so we're going to look at that a little bit more in a bit. But th- this blessing... It's not limited anymore. It's bigger. And God says, I am with you. And I will watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Has Jacob made any promise to God that we know of? Has he earned this conversation in some way? (laughs) He's been a liar. He'd been going about getting this blessing the wrong way. And he has, he's not going to stop yet. And yet God chooses to come speak to him. Reveal himself and not just speak, but bless him and, and make a promise. I will be with you. I'm not going to leave you until I fulfill what I've said I'm going to do. This is the character of God. This is who he is. And so Jacob uh, God makes this promise to Jacob, and Jacob responds. And it's interesting, what is his response? When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely, the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, which means house of God. Though the city used to be called Luz, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and I will give 
and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. Hmm. It's interesting. Jacob wakes up. He recognizes the place, and he's afraid. This is the place where God meets men. It's a location. And um, as he's thinking about this place, let me just ask you a question. That was a physical place that he saw as the house of God. Where does God have his house today? Is it a beautiful building like this one? Is it a city? Where does God come to meet men today? There's a conversation that Jesus had with this woman, and they were having that that question came up. God, Jesus, you know, I know um, we were told that we are supposed to worship God on this mountain, and you Jews, you say it's over there at the temple in Jerusalem. Where is it? You're the prophet. Tell tell me. And Jesus' response is, you know, true worshipers, it won't be about a place. It'll be about worshiping in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Where is that? It's in us. We are God's temple. If you have a relationship with, if you don't have one yet, open your heart, let him in, open your life, invite Jesus to come in. He wants to come into your life, give give you life. But if you have this relationship, do you realize that the place where you meet with God is in you? And what does that look like? Do we connect with God? To spend time with him? Do we respond with fear? Wow. God is is right here. He's right here among us this morning. When we come together, God is with us in this place. And so Jacob responds, but his response, he's he's a newbie at this. He doesn't have the depth that his father Abraham, after all the trials, after taking Isaac and laying him down on the altar and and watching God work and God saving him and God using him to destroy kings. Jacob hasn't experienced this. He's new. He's wondering, is God even going to be with me? God reveals himself. And now he's going to respond. And his response, um, if God will be with me, if God does this and this and this, then... You know, then I will. And I'm not sure he fully understands what he's saying. But do we do this when we pray? Hey God, if if you give me health, if you solve my relational problems, if you give me this job, if you give me success, then I'll serve you. A friend of mine when I was a kid He said this, Gabe, don't if your life away. If only things were, don't if it away. And a lot of times we interact with God like that. In this case, Jacob could be be presuming on, on God's grace. Who's the beneficiary here? Is it Jacob or God? If God you do this, I will. Maybe, could be read that way. Do we do that? Huh. So, how, how do we respond to God? And as we think about response, what about me? 
And let's go and think about some things. How, how do we respond when we look at Esau? When you mess up. How do we respond when we've messed things up? Do we just go on impulse? Or do we start by first having a conversation with God about it? If Esau had just cultivated a relationship with God early on, if he had invested in knowing the stories and in pursuing God, pursuing right living, seeking input before choosing, who do we go to when we're about to make choices? Do we talk with God about it? Do we pick our advisors based on what we want to hear? Or do we choose to listen to people who are in tune with God in their lives? Who do you go to when you're looking for advice? As you could find, probably among all the people you could find, I'm pretty sure you know how people are going to (laughs) think. Do you choose people based on what you want to hear? Huh. Has our, has our world grown, outgrown this idea that, or this belief that God speaks to us? Does God speak today? And if he does, how do we listen to him? There's a story, uh, Jesus is talking to Peter and his disciples, and he says, you know, who do people say that I am? And they respond, oh, you're a prophet, you know, you're a, a good man, I don't know, they give him a list of, of things that they, they say. And then he asks them the question, who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Peter, you're right on. And furthermore, Peter, what you just said, my father, God, put that thought in your mind. God spoke to you. He impressed it on your mind. And so Peter was speaking, listening and speaking God's word. He had this great moment. Not too long after that, he, Jesus is explaining, hey, I need to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. They're going to, they're going to, They're going to kill me. And Peter's like, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Why would you want to do that when you know you're going to... And Jesus says, looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. Because now, who is impressing his thoughts on Peter? The devil. Satan is doing that. And he's not even aware that he's doing this. So can we hear God's voice? Can God impress thoughts on us? Uh, Yeah. The question is, who are we listening to? Who are we we listening to? And Jesus, in John chapter 8, he's talking to people that say they believe in him. They they, they seem to be believers, but man, believers often struggle too. They they often say things that come from the devil. And he he says, you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I have seen in my father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Why don't they have any room in their hearts for God's word? 
He's saying, I'm talking, I'm telling you what God's saying, but it's not going in because there's not enough, there's not room in your minds. Maybe, maybe they're not listening to God. Um, maybe they aren't spending time actually asking God what he wants. Maybe they're reading God's word. Uh, they are. A lot of those people are. But they're not spending time asking God, okay, what does this mean? What does this have to do with me? And maybe they've made up their minds about God. Time gets so saturated, especially now. It's even harder. There's so many voices. You can't go five minutes without hearing something. You can't go for a drive and there's music. And so we get saturated by what? We get saturated by my own voice, my thoughts, by what I think. We get saturated by what others think, what they think about me, what they think about life. It's, it's all around. And, and Jesus says to these people, your father, that's what you're thinking about. You're thinking about what your father wants. And he's not talking about their physical dads. He's talking about the devil. So there are all these voices versus the voice of God. The voice of Jesus, in this case, talking. Um, moms. They struggle day in and out with the voices. And maybe, maybe you've messed things up. It happens. Rebecca messed things up. And here's Jacob. She's not going to see him again. It happens. But there are times when you're in that battle of doing what, doing motherhood, working with the kids, and you're saying, you're, you're saying voices, there are voices in your head, I am a poor mom, I am pathetic, I, you know, I messed them up. They're going to hate me. Is there any relationship where you will do things perfectly and never go wrong? Especially one where you're spending 24 hours a day? No. There isn't. But I just want to encourage you to hear the voice of the Lord, to hear the voice of God. And I think about this woman who was brought before Jesus, this adult, this woman caught in the act of adultery. I don't know if she had kids or not. But she's caught in the act of adultery. And just think about all the voices. You've got her accusers. The accusers that are saying, stone her. And you've got a crowd of people that are just kind of watching to see what happens. You've got her own voice. And her own voice is probably saying, yeah, I deserve to be stoned. I messed things up. She's wallowing in shame. I mean, she's publicly humiliated. And here's Jesus. And he waits for the voices. He starts speaking to the accusers and before Jesus the accusation begins to stop and they go away. And she's left there before Jesus and he stands up and looks at her. If anyone could condemn her, it's him. He has the right. And what does he say? Neither do I condemn you. He says, go and sin no more. It wasn't a Go and you better not do it again. That's not how I hear it. It was go 
And you're free to not let this happen again. You're free. When I think about God's promises, one of the promises Jesus says is, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. What does this mean? Does this mean, okay, if I'm free from sin, I get to do whatever I want? Man, if you're even going there, my question to you would be, do you even have a relationship with Christ? Because a child of God has a heart that follows Christ and wants what Christ wants. But a child of God struggles. You struggle with voices that want to entangle you in sin. And so when Jesus says, you shall be free indeed, he's saying, you're not, you're free from the entanglement of sin. Sin isn't your master. It doesn't control you. But do we believe that? A lot of times we hear those voices and those voices are saturating our minds. We don't take the time to even listen to what Jesus is saying. And Jesus is saying, you, don't, you, you can go and have life. You, I made you better than this. You don't have to go to this. You're free. So who do we listen to? When you ask God and he speaks, James says, you must believe and not doubt. And that word doubt means double-minded. In other words, when you hear God's voice and you don't like it, be careful. Don't go seeking advice somewhere else. That's what double-minded means. Because the one who doubts or is double-minded is like the waves of the sea and just gets tossed here and there. And that's life's consequences. Living, choosing not to follow God's will. So does God speak to us today? How do we listen to him? Are there obstacles? Yeah. I already mentioned some of those. How do we listen to God? First, you start by cultivating this relationship. Like Esau. He could have. But where are you at in your life? Are you nurturing a relationship with Christ? Imagine a marriage where they don't talk or they don't spend time. And the reality is, if you are married, you know how this works. If you're not connecting, the relationship feels disconnected. And so, um, he, start by cultivating a relationship with Christ, with God. It's not just a one-way deal. Uh, if we're praying, if you're praying to God and you don't hear God talking, man, that's not a relationship. That's like that friend that talks and talks and talks and talks and talks and never gives you a chance to say something. But a lot of times that's what we do. We pray, we tell God things. That's not the intention of prayer is speak with God. And he wants to talk with us. But he talks to us first through his word. Do we spend time reading God's word? Getting grounded in what he thinks? Do you want to know what God says? Read it. Think about it. Spend some time listening to God in his word. That is probably the first, that is the first place you should go. Go to God's word. Listen to it. Secondly, talk with him. Spend some time in conversation with God. Go talk to God about your life, about who he is, about people, about decisions, and take the time to sit and just be still. Just listen. God could use a dream. He could use 
Uh, a number of other things. He can use circumstances to guide you. You apply for a job. You didn't get it, but you prayed about it. I didn't get it. God wasn't listening. How do you know? How do you know what would happen if you had the job? Maybe God's saying, that's a bad idea. If you hadn't prayed about it, I probably would have given you the job. <laughs> we don't know. God uses community. There are people around us, people who uh, work to try to line up their lives with what God, to be in tune with what God wants. Talk to those people. Ask them questions. This is how we grow. This is how we listen to God. God speaks through other people. And lastly, as we, as we just consider, man, here's Jacob. And God makes him promises. What are the promises that God gives us today? And here's just a, a list of promises that God gives us. I will not leave you. This is what God says. If you have a relationship with him, he says, I will not leave you. I will come back for you. I'm coming back so I can take you so, so that you can be where I am. Death will be taken away. <laughs> there, at some point in lives we all encounter, either someone dies or it, it's our time. And Jesus says, I'm taking this away. I will complete what I started in you. If you have a relationship with Christ, he started a work in you. Maybe you're a baby, a newbie like Jacob, or maybe you're more like Abraham. But he's at work, and he's going to bring you through this process. Um, if you invest in this relationship, you will be fruitful. Jesus says, remain in the vine. If you remain in me, I will make you fruitful, and God is happy to make you fruitful. What does fruit look like? That's for God to define not us. But I do want to go back to this first thought. Jesus says, I will never leave you. I love that thought. No matter what the struggles are or the good times, Jesus is there. And he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is our Jesus. So as we move on to respond, there will be prayer teams over here on the side. If you would like to spend some time talking with God, Spending some time with the great I am. With the almighty. Just in conversation. Would you take advantage of the opportunity as they come up? Join them. Go up and pray with them. Um, but also consider as we move on to worship. We are God's temple. God is in this place. And he's meeting us. So take some time, close your eyes, or if you're looking at the lyrics, don't let that distract you from who God is and what he's saying to you. Father, you are a great God. Father, we are so grateful for the privilege of knowing you, of being able to come boldly into your presence. There are no hindrances, there are no you don't have to go to a place. We don't have to bring animal sacrifices and crazy stuff. Father, thank you so much for making us your house. Father, this week, I just ask that uh, you would help us to recognize that you're with us. Help us recognize that 
as we go out into the world, we are the place where people connect with God. We are priests and we are at work. Father, work in us, work through us. In Jesus' name, amen. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Go and connect. Take God to the world. Thank you for listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church. For more information about service times and ways to connect, visit us online at gracecc.net.